Welcome to Soccer Talk, a podcast about soccer in Iowa, presented by Kick It Forward and sponsored by Scott Insurance Services, as well as Michael Keener, attorney at law. Scott Insurance Services is an independent insurance agency located in West Des Moines, Iowa, servicing central Iowa and all surrounding states. They are family owned and are a locally operated business with over 125 years of experience in the insurance services industry, specializing in personal and commercial insurance. They are a good friend of the pod, a huge supporter of soccer in Iowa, and run by Iowa soccer legend, Billy Scott. Michael Keener, attorney at law. Based in Des Moines, Michael's practice includes trial and litigation matters with an emphasis on commercial litigation, personal injury, criminal defense, and issues in the legislature and Iowa's administrative agencies. Michael is a longtime supporter of Kick It Forward and the work it does in Iowa's soccer community. You can reach him at 515-245-4330 or via email at michaelkeener at griefsydney.com. That's M-K-U-E-H-N-E-R at griefsydney.com, G-R-E-F-E-S-I-D-N-E-Y.com. mkeener at griefsydney.com. Michael Keener, attorney at law. This podcast is now distributed on multiple platforms, including Apple Music and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Hi there. I'm Ben Brackett with my good friend Blake Sievers, and we're here to talk soccer. That's right, Ben. All Iowa soccer, all the time. Welcome to the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Iowa soccer supporters. Welcome back to Soccer Talk. I'm Ben Brackett with Blake Sievers, my good friend and co-host. Blake, what's up, man? You know, again, Ben, we kind of we kind of talk about this every pod. Just another day, another pod. Looking forward to it. Um, saw a couple couple teams we haven't seen this year, so uh, looking forward to enlightening our audience on on our thoughts. Yeah, not to mention uh, as part of the excitement today is uh, another day in the studio, which we love being in the studio. Um, it is actually we have like a a nameplate up now that actually says that this is the studio. So. If you're out there and you're maybe a potential interviewee sometime, um, prepare for a, a first-class experience. Yeah, the sign was a pretty big deal. We'll have to get that posted Ooh. to our Twitter feed and, and our Facebook. And Ben, like, I, perfect. I love it? it. I love it, Blake. You just tee me up. Let's talk about our uh, social media real quick. You can follow us on Twitter at kick underscore forward. Um, we're super active on Twitter, and we love Twitter. Um, you can also find us on Facebook. That's at kick it forward ia um you know and then we've also talked about the platforms you can find us to listen to the podcast um you might have heard that earlier apple music spotify and google play uh not to mention anchor which is the platform that we uh, actually do this podcast on and ben on that note you know people must be listening to what we tell them to do because our twitter followers are now up to 560 and i think last night was down to 551 or so and Just then every little bit it does and you know on anchor now our average audience is 72 people i believe and we're over 1.1 thousand listens wow so 1100 
one point one thousand. Oh, excellent! Yeah, so uh, if if you can't tell, we're having a good time. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying it as well. Um, we'll keep bringing you, uh, all sorts of action. Um, as far as the podcast goes, though, um, if you haven't listened to our Edithon podcast, that we've gotten a lot of good feedback on that. It's pretty funny. Um, some good little uh, inside stories and. Blake, I, I, you know, I think the other thing that was interesting about that, um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's super interesting, man. <laughs> super interesting. So, anyways, you know, let's get uh, get back on track. You know, we're we're going to talk about the Ankeny Centennial, Ankeny Hawks, Hawkettes, um, doubleheader soccer game today, aren't we? That's right. We went up north last night and uh, enjoyed a another brisk evening. Uh, you know, the weather reports up as well if you want to get that. Uh, it was quite windy. It was, Ben. You are exactly correct. And, you know, we have a, like you said, we're in studio. We'll uh, we'll get to our, our special El Presidente tactician here a little bit later. Um, Why don't we just jump in, though, and talk about the girls' game? Because uh, El Presidente couldn't make it to that one. Um, he was tied up, uh, you know, doing uh, day job type things. So instead, uh, Blake and I caught the end of that game. Uh, and it was it was all action. It was yeah, and you know some of us were there and were able to watch the first half, Ben, and some oh. of us showed up a little late. But uh, okay. you know, the, one of the intricacies of high school sports is JV freshmen. I, I guess there are no freshman teams anymore, but there's multiple JV teams, and uh, the JV game runs a little late, which kind of pushes everything back. Which uh, for us isn't a super big deal, but you know by the time we got out of uh, out of Ankeny Centennial Stadium, I mean, it was 10, 15 or so with no games going into overtime. But, you know, um, on that note, so the girls... It's a lot of work for the student-athletes, I think, is what you're getting at. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, they got to wake up to go to school the next day. You know, some of Hopefully parents, they've done their homework. Hopefully. Hopefully, Ben. And so, yeah, uh, specifically the girls, you know, the first half uh, was, you know, it was pr- pretty back and forth, pretty even. And then, you know, Centennial scores a goal there in the you know in the in the beginning part of the second half uh elizabeth overberg i believe was who scored a kind of a deflection and thinking centennial's got the momentum and then you know ben when you you arrived you give your thoughts a little bit but the hawkettes controlled i thought most of the second half um, chasing that equalizer and great defending uh, between you know, the entire team for Centennial as, uh, you know, as players come, came off injured, kind of got back on. They were missing missing one or two for durations there of the second half. And kind of our, our interview with Chris Allen talks kind of specifically to that as what a great result and team defending from, from the Jaguar girls. Yeah, they were definitely organized. Um, you know, and if, if correct me if I'm wrong, but this was a, a rematch of last year's state final. Like, is that correct? It is correct, Ben. Absolutely. Yeah. So, the the uh, the intensity of the game uh, matched that. I thought. You know, I, I the crowd was very into it. I mean, uh, I, I I mean, I'm sure that the timing had something to do with it, but I'm pretty sure the girls' game had more uh, attendees than the boys' game. It seemed that way a little bit, didn't it? You know, yeah. there was and maybe there was some overflow of the boys, kind of just the games running along, but there was standing room only. Um, in the supporters section there on on that side of the field. Granted, the the boys game, the crowd got a little more raucous towards the end. They were they were pretty fired up. But anyway, I thought it was it was interesting to see how many people in the Ankeny community uh, really cared about getting out there and you know supporting everything and being around. 
You're right, Ben. So, you know, again, the battle of top 10 teams, Centennial uh, came in ranked number sixth with the Hawkettes number three. And, you know, Centennial came out, came out victorious. And, you know, big, big thanks to, to the coaches, Simon Brown and uh, Chris Allen there with Ankeny and Centennial respectively for giving us some time, giving us their thoughts. And, you know, we've been pretty good about approaching some of these coaches ahead of time, giving them a heads up, and we kind of threw the surprise at them. This was a sneak attack. It was at both of them uh, the last minute last night. And they were super gracious, um, giving us some of their time and some of the thoughts. And we, we talked to a couple of the victorious girls from Centennial, you know, a couple of college recruits, Indiana State, uh, Carly Jensen and Lizzie Johnson going to UMKC. Um, so it was interesting, kind of always interesting getting the players' thoughts as well in a big, big derby game. Absolutely, Blake. Um, and I, I don't know, where do they go next from here? You know, the, the girls, obviously, they start their season uh, about a week behind the boys. Um, so, you know, we're, we're starting to think a little bit about the boys' state tournament. It's, it's uh, you know, sub-state's right around the corner. Teams are kind of finishing up their last two, three games. But the girls, they've probably got a little bit of time left. And uh, just interesting to see the differences in the, the way it, uh, the different points they are in their season. Yeah, I think you're right, Ben. You know, the Centennial girls still have five games to go. You know, they're at Urbandale this Friday night. And the Hawkettes have, have four games left with a couple, a couple of daunting daunting fixtures ahead and you know ending the season at current number one ranked Waukee and they have the Johnson Dragons on there uh, that's the Hawkeyes schedule and you know on paper Centennial may have a little easier path closing out um, going up against I suppose maybe their t stiffest test is the Urbandale Jayhawks who just knocked off Dowling uh, last night as well so yeah still quite a few games to play on the girls side absolutely um, we'll uh We'll make sure that we uh, keep keep the uh, finger on the pulse for the girls' game as well. But um, let's move on to the the boys' game. Um, that was also a, a big matchup of uh, of ranked opponents. It was, yeah, and you know I think um, you know you got Centennial, the boys, uh, the boys side at least. You know, ranked number five, coming in twelve and two on the year couple big wins over uh, at the beginning of the year you know when, when we talked to Brian Duax the coach there we did our he was on our Iowa soccer legend interview series oh, and what a legend he is yeah and they had some big coming off some big wins at the beginning of the year and you know for our first time watching them play you know, uh, again ranked number five coming in against number 14 Ankeny who has uh, you know maybe I don't know what the right word had a little rough um, a rough, rough spell, so to speak, there where they lost a couple games to Urbandale and Ames, and then uh, come back with a big win over the Dodgers at Fort Dodge. Yeah, eleven zero. Uh, yeah, had lost two of the last three, and like uh, you know, like uh, like we talked about, maybe on a little bit of skid, and sounds like Jordan Burns kind of kind of righted the ship there. Yeah, it sure does. Uh, and they're in for a, a stiff test over the last few games of the season. Um, as well as they lead their way into substate, but maybe let's not get ahead of ourselves um, before we start talking too in depth about both games. Um, you know, we'll kind of round up with you know where they go uh, from there at the end of the game. But let's let's introduce uh, Matt Sehag, El Presidente, the tactician extraordinaire. Matt, welcome to the studio. Hey guys, good to be with you again today. It's always nice to have you, Matt. Um, you know. Uh, you joined us last night on a chilly evening. Uh, you, you hunkered in there, and you were doing all sorts of jobs. Not only were you taking notes furiously throughout the game, but he was even manning the camera. 
I know it's uh, it's become a job of uh, many hats, I guess. So, was uh, taking a couple of videos. I was open, op uh, excuse me, uploading stuff to Twitter from some of your guys' interviews, and then I was also trying to kind of keep my eye in the game and and uh, watch for or make different observations because I knew I was coming on here the next day to talk to you guys about the game. Yeah, well, uh, he's El Presidente for a reason. It starts at the top, right? Absolutely. I love it. Uh, well, so, uh, you know, I, I know Blake and I, we chatted a little bit about it. We've got some thoughts on the game, but why don't you, uh, you know, you're always, you, you've got that, that sharp eye for the game. Talk a little bit about what you saw and, uh, you know, kind of your opinions. Sure. Well, uh, first of all, great game. Uh, great atmosphere. Um, the the Ankeny fans were out in full force. You know, we sat on the other side of the field, and when we were looking across, uh, that grandstand was practically full. Sure was. And it wasn't the nicest night, but it was it was a nice night for soccer. Good temperature to to run around a little bit, and it got colder throughout the night, and the wind was a little cold. But certainly, the a little less than ideal conditions didn't stop the fans from coming out. And what's really cool about uh, uh, Ankeny is, you know, 10, 12 years ago, you know, there's one high school, um, that part of town, you know, where Centennial is, hadn't really even been developed yet. So um, I know for me, and even having worked in Ankeny at the Ankeny Soccer Club before it was the Iowa Rush, um, that was the first time I'd been back up there in, in you know, several years uh, to watch a game. And so to see the development just in the community, um, and to see how it how it's grown, to see all the fans come out, um, and then to see two uh, separate schools um, and guys competing at a very high level uh, across the board was, was a really good thing. I think probably when they split high schools, the question was going to be on a soccer level: is that the, is that going to dilute the talent pool, and are we going to see a little bit less from the schools? And I think um, clearly that. That's not the case uh, because what we saw last night was two very strong teams um, on both sides of the ball. That's some decent Centennial and 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 the Ankeny Hawks. Um, and I, for me, it was it was the most enjoyable game I watched this year. Absolutely, I think, and I mean we watched Ankeny there um, a couple weeks ago. It's Dowling. Yeah, and to me, a completely different different side everywhere, technically, tactically, emotionally, uh, completely different different squad yeah well and, and just to echo that we we literally said the same thing last night Blake and I uh to ourselves like wow this must be the best game we've seen um and I I think that uh as despite the you know I guess the dilution if you will of the the talent um I think it gives more opportunities in the situation and it gives I think it was cool to see knowing some of these players after um some of my experiences over the last year or so on trial up there um you know, some of these players, like, well, let's just use Charlie Pritchard as an example. Um, you know, I got to play with him last fall. I was really impressed with him in training. Um, but he, in that team, he's in that club team, you know, he's, uh, he's not like the, the guy. You know, he's one of a few. Um, for the high school team, he's kind of the guy, and he carried himself that way and, you know, ended up winning, you know, scoring the winner, was kind of willing his team all over the field, just, you know, getting into tackles, f firing everybody up. And, um, I mean, that was – that was like you said, like a total difference from maybe what we saw a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I thought that the, while the the fans came out to watch the game, obviously, and I think that created part of the atmosphere, but you could sense uh, the desire, um, um, just from just walking in the game or walking in the the complex in the stadium, that was coming out of the players, and I think from the from the whistle as well, 
uh, we, we, you could see that it meant something to every single one of those guys to go beat the, the crosstown rival. And I think Pritchard's included in that. I mean, we saw, throughout the game, we see different moments where, um, you know, he, he's a great player. And I, I think he's a very, very talented player. But there, there's just moments where desire kind of takes over. And I think his, his goal was an example of that. Um, but that, that sort of desire um, and um, an effort that we saw across the board created for uh, an even better atmosphere. And I think um, for Pritchard, um, he was, in my opinion, the, the most consequential player on the field last night. Um, and certainly he scored the game-winning goal. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you mentioned that the desire and the effort, certainly not to take anything away from uh, Centennial. I know, you know, there at the end of the game, uh, you know, we were seeing some of their some of their more uh, influential players, uh, you know, very frustrated with the way things had gone. And, you know, they were kind of giving it everything they had. And, um, you know, sometimes, uh, like we see in the game, you just, there's just, you can't, no matter how, what you do, you can't find your way back in the game. I think that was how Centennial felt a little bit. Yeah, no, that, not to take anything away from the effort of Centennial because that was, I think that was top-notch as well. Yeah, they're a good I team. Mean, absolutely. Ultimately, someone's got to win the game. Um, and last night it was Ankeny, but the game could have gone either way. And, and every, I think every single player that got on that park last night, probably even the players on the bench, um, you know, in my observation, gave it everything they had, and I think it contributed to the atmosphere. You know, there was one moment, not to get ahead of ourselves, but towards the end of the game, where there's a little controversy, you know, Pritchard gets takedown hard, and then I think it's Michael Brandt from Centennial. Oh, no, I'm it's, sorry, it's, it's Riley, Riley Wood, Wood, actually. Yeah. So Brandt actually, I think, he fouls gets, Pritchard. Yep. And then you turn Riley, Riley Wood after the whistle takes out, um, you know, whoever it was. And, you know, you don't want to see moments where people get injured or sort of step over the line, and you get a couple arguments on both sides that maybe um, somebody broke the, you know, the rules or bent the rules. But for me, it demonstrated what that game meant to everyone. Everybody at the end of the game wanted to win the game. And, you know, tempers kind of flared up a little bit, then they cooled down, and everybody sort of got their senses about each other. And I thought... Um, Those are my, such good experiences for the players, though. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, for you got to play in meaningful games, I think, um, to really know what, um, what it takes to win and then what it, what it feels like to lose. Um, and for athletes, and we've all been there, um, that's what keeps you kind of ticking as an athlete and coming back for the next game. And for a lot of these guys who are going to go on playing in college, um, these experiences that they're going to draw on, in, in particular this game, are going to be really, really good for them in the short years to come. Yeah, it'll be in- sorry. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Centennial bounces back because they have, while they've lost some games this year, they've all been uh, you know tight losses uh, to you know big teams like Valley, Pleasant Valley, and then now Ankeny. So those are all two one losses, one goal games, um, and that it's, now they've got one more. They play Urbandale next week, um, or at the end of the week this week. I'm sorry, and then they go into Substate. So you can. From my vantage point, they're going to be fired up, and this this loss could really fuel them into the latter stage of the season. Um, and then I think that's exactly what we've seen. What you know, you talk about team bouncing back. The Ankeny Hawks are a great example of that because you know they they had those two tough losses, and you see they fire back at Fort Dodge and they you know roar back against Yankee Centennial. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they finish out the end of the season. Yeah, I I think both of these teams are are on the move upwards. Um, and maybe have experienced setbacks at different points in their own unique season. So, as you mentioned, the Ankeny Hawks, a couple of, uh, couple of losses, and they've shown resili- resilience by, you know, starting to um, bounce back. For Ankeny Centennial, probably the, the, um, the most recent obvious, obvious um, setback is last night. But 
I don't think in the grand scheme of things, in terms of their quest to become state champions, this game is going to mean anything but uh, more fuel for their desire to just do just that and win the uh, win the title. And from what we saw last night, I think either team could do it. Um, and wouldn't it be great if we get to see another another match, uh, maybe um, in a couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, and just on that kind of continuing that note, just a couple of players that you know that I thought were, were pretty impressive. Uh, for Centennial was that midfielder Nick Ashton. Um, kind of the long hair, long mop on his head. He was uh, never, I'd never seen him play, and he he kind of ran the midfield there for for bits and pieces of the game, and then He's a good little player. Yeah, he was, um, and then you know, kind of uh, Will Overberg. That you know, the opening opening goal sequence where you know he gets it, runs. I don't know what did he run twenty, thirty yards, and played an unbelievable ball diagonally to um, was that Cole Vincent who scored the goal? Maybe Matt. Like I mean, the pass, the weight of the pass. Was uh, I mean was outstanding. It's just a couple moments of brilliance there. Um, was yep. impressive for me to watch. Yeah, Overberg was good. Yeah, and and early that was very early on the game too. And it for me it was a uh, the two teams have have very different styles. You know, you mentioned number ten um, Nick Ashton. It seems like and then and Will Overberg. Um, it seems like Ankeny probably you know if you look at maybe their style they like to. I mean they've got great athletes. Obviously they build a little bit more. Or in terms of at least last night and especially the first half. They probably had the run of play, more possession, and certainly created more chances in the first half. Um, and I think that momentum was fueled by the early goal and um, the moment of brilliance that you mentioned from Overberg over to over to Vincent. You're talking about Centennial, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I should designate that because they're both Yankee teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so Centennial had the, had the run of play and the whole and first half, yeah, for the whole first half. And we were, and I think at one zero, at the end of the first half, you were saying. It looks like Centennial's got their number. Yeah, and Zach Young, I mean, we talked about it halfway through saying, holy cow, it's the same goalkeeper against Dowling where we saw a couple weeks ago who made some big saves, and he was, you know, uh, tremendous there for the Hawks, keeping them in the game, I think, single-handedly there in the first half. Yeah, and so when we chatted at halftime with Brian Duax, he he seemed like, uh, you know, he was comfortable with where they were. You know, obviously, like, they had some work to do, but um, he seemed uh, pretty calm, right? And on the, on the other hand, uh, you know, before we could even get a, get a word out of uh, uh, Coach Burns, he'd zip past us to the locker room. Is like getting fired up to talk to the boys. They were in there almost the entire 15 minutes, uh, or is it 10 or 15? The whole, almost the whole little period there. Uh, then he came out for the, in that last minute and gave us just a quick uh, little snippet. Uh, he he great attitude, but it was just interesting. You could tell he was you know he he was really focused on getting his team out there, and it, it really translated in that for like right away in that second half. Um, they were all over him. Yeah, it'd be interesting to, uh, we should have mic'd him up for the halftime because <laughs> they scored within, I mean, what was it, five minutes? Riley Wood with an absolute... Screamer. Uh, what do you guys call it now? A, a banger. A banger. That's I what guess the kids the call new, it. That's the, what the, kids the call new it. word. Um, I mean, an absolute banger from, what was it, like 30 yards out to to equalize the game there. And old Burnsy must have, like you said, Ben, must have must have done something there Yeah. at halftime. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we don't know what was said, but whatever was said worked, right? I guess <laughs> and, as, if you're a coach, you, you got to take credit for that, that moment, I think. Um, but then, of course, he would give the credit for the players, too, because whatever he said to them, um, they certainly responded. And then we, we just saw the, the shifts in momentum then, um, obviously, that we've seen in a lot of these games. Um, and, and I would say that even though, you know, Ankeny still, uh, Centennial anyway, continue to um, kind of push the ball up the field and keep possession. But then, you know, the Hawks are just so dangerous. Um, 
they are not afraid to go, I mean, route one direct. No. We saw, I mean, we even saw Pritchard get it deep, like, it almost looked like a, like a left back, and just smash it with his left foot up the field to Ranieri, probably like 50 or 60 fields. I think it was Ranieri. But those guys, if they see someone open 40, 50 yards of the field, they will smash it, and they're all of a sudden on the counter. And it, it, it creates, it's very, very hard to defend, I think. Um, and they are especially flying when you have, there, too. Yep, especially when you guys attacking that quickly, no doubt. But, you know, you had mentioned, I, I want to mention, um, I just want to feature some of, the, some of the guys. I thought I had good games last night. Um, and also, um, um, or I guess and just talk about them a little bit, but Blake, you, on Centennial side, um, th- their senior class, I think, is, is very, very strong. So you've got Overberg, um, a very technical player. I think he's right-footed, at least that's what I can tell, yeah. but he plays on the left. And he, and he does a great job. I made the I made the remark, man. I I'd like to see him playing the right on his stronger foot because I I think he'd even be even stronger. Well, he's, but. he's pacey enough to get around the end and get to or the end line. Yeah. Um. You know, if, a lot of times if you're a right footed winger uh, and you get stuck on the left, it's because maybe you're not so fast. Um. But yeah, he I mean he's easily got it, doesn't he? Yeah, and we we saw him move from uh, left back into the left winger. And then they were even moved over to the right-hand side um, later on in the game. So, But good little player, um, great game. Nick, Nick Ashton, another senior, number 10 in midfield, uh, really good on the ball, um, allows Centennial to play through midfield, and he does some really nice stuff. Um, Easton Becker, he's his, one of their center backs. I thought he had a great game. There were a couple of tackles that he, he came up with um, uh, when uh, the Hawks were on the counter that I, I thought saved, maybe saved a couple of goals for some good opportunities. Um, and then Michael Brand as well, another senior who played in midfield, uh, another really uh, nice player. So on the other side of the ball, then well, let's go quick, ahead. let's just quick mention uh, Will Will Overberg uh, is verbally committed to play for Luther College. Michael Brandt going to Loris College, and Nick Ashton will be at Central College. So all uh, future rivals here as uh, you know college players. And then I, I can't. Where does Becker go? And I feel like he committed somewhere recently for Concordia University in Wisconsin. So yeah. uh, another D three school. I don't know that they're in, uh, that they'll cross paths with some of those guys, but they they still may um, in the future. But you know those are those are uh, you know four good players that are all going to continue their their uh, their careers and education as well. And I think you know on that note, those schools are quite lucky. And Michael Brandt, if if he's going anywhere. Um, Hopefully our listeners will let us know. Oh no, he. Sorry, that was did that. Did that? Lawrence, right? Yeah, Michael Brandt. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, so they're all going to play. So. Listen up there, seems. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so I mean, one Ankeny's losing some talent, massive big losses. But I think some of those schools are quite lucky to get some of these players, and um, you know because we talked a little bit about it. The the quality of some of those players is um, we thought they could, um, in our opinion, right, play it a little at a higher level. I think. Um, yeah, these guys would be not, immediate. Not that those schools are, are, you know, nothing nothing against the schools, but hopefully, I would assume those guys are going to get straight into some of those starting 11s and be immediate impacts as freshmen. I, I, I would think so. I mean, I, I, you know, what are the, obviously Blake and I are, are Drake University grads, grads. We played at Drake uh, for all four years. Um, you know, myself, I, uh, I not only played there, but I played in, in most of the games. I think I played 80 games. So I feel like I, I've got an understanding of what that standard looks like. And I cannot, for the life of me, figure out why my alma mater cannot get some of these guys to commit. I mean, for me, any day of the week, you take Overberg, you take Ashton, you take Becker, and you take Brant and your team, and you would pursue those guys um, 100%. And even if they aren't 
immediate contributors like you talk about you were you know Blake and I both know this from our experience we weren't immediate contributors when we started out in college but by the time we were sophomores juniors seniors we were big parts of the team and I think that's there's a little bit of a betting in period and some of these guys they could definitely if they can grind out that first season as a freshman at some place like Drake that they could be big time uh, contributors and they're local guys right yeah lo- local guys and you like to see local guys on the Drake roster at least I do so and and it's not only on the centennial side of the ball right I mean you flip on the other side of the the, the hawk side and there you've got for me the the two most consequential players who are both seniors are um Charlie Pritchard and then Colby Ranieri and again you know I look at that and go you take those guys in the squad I mean certainly I mean and and Pritchard probably maybe even just knowing how those guys recruit I can't figure out for the life of me why um you know Pritchard and I guess I don't know this but if he wasn't a recruit why he wouldn't be a recruit um so I mean you've got probably was that seven guys here who just just being biased for me about wanting my alma mater to do well and my soccer program to do well, I'm I'm going. We can't get one of these guys, like not even one. Why not? And maybe these guys are just making good decisions for themselves, and they're saying, you know what, I'm getting better offers. These guys are more interested. Um, these are good schools. I want to pursue certain types of academics, um, but not even just one because the quality in these two these squads. Um, just based on knowing what what we've observed and um, from a fan standpoint as a player standpoint uh, suggests that uh, these are players that that should be playing at least one of them at Drake and you know to sort of to help with that hometown flavor in the, in the squad and I want to mention I mean Drake won seven games last year six games in 2017 and six games in 2016 and I'm sorry but why not take a shot on these guys? Because those records, for me, I mean, it's not saying that things are working. Yeah, well, you know, as, as, you know, I think Blake could echo, or maybe not echo, sorry, but uh, would mention playing in front of your, like playing as a member of the Drake soccer program in front of your, your hometown crowd every week, I guess that meant something to you over the years. Absolutely, and you've got the local community hopefully come and support, so then your your crowd grows, the atmosphere picks up. You ideally, right, then you get more, you raise more money, because you have more supporters, more donations are coming in. And then going, you know, as you get graduates, as they become alumni, they have a good experience. Now they start uh, putting money back into the program and it's kind of cyclical where it is. And like you said, Ben, I mean, playing up, playing in Des Moines where you grew up is, uh, is to me, it was pretty cool. And it's kind of like Matt said, kind of unfortunate that that none of these guys are, are getting that sniff. Yeah, and we want to be clear, nothing to take away from these guys' decisions. We don't no. know these guys personally or want to imp, you know, impart sort of our opinions on their decisions. But selfish. From, selfish. from our selfish yeah. own perspective, we're going, wow, man, we, were, we want our, our school to do well, and we're missing out on these guys. And so what, where's, you know, the question really is where's the, where's the gap there? Yeah, regardless, these boys are going to go on and I think do some really great things. And I, I'm excited to follow them over the – uh, over their careers as they continue and uh, you know hopefully we can maybe you know that's something that I'd like to do a little bit more of next fall is going to see some of these you know more local uh, college soccer games um, but let's let's move on and just quick chat about uh, the Ankeny Hawks because they've also got some really strong talent right Sag? Yeah definitely um, and one player we we mentioned probably in the last podcast when or not the last one but when we covered the Dowling um, Hawk game was Zach Young and their goalkeeper he's another senior so I'm a. I'm just. I would be just a little less assertive about giving an opinion on, 
uh, goalkeepers playing at the next level just because I, I'm not a goalkeeper. I never was a goalkeeper. And you never challenge the goalkeepers very often. So. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what that means, Blake. But, um, you know, when, when a guy can keep – when a goalkeeper can keep the ball out of the net and um, you see another team pressuring – I mean, Centennial pressured the Hawks in the whole first half and uh, probably a couple of chances that, the, that Centennial should have put away. But at the end of the day, Zach kept the ball out of the net. And so whether it was a you know fingertip save one way or whether it was him being in the right place at the right time to, to sort of change the striker's angle, um, he did a great job. And, and I, I'd actually be interested to see if he's going anywhere, playing anywhere, because he is a, a vital part of the Hawk team. Um, so just flip that to the other side of the ball when you've got Colby Ranieri and, and Charlie Pritchard, um, also you know, two guys that would, I would put in the category we were talking about in terms of Drake. Uh, you got a goalkeeper who can stop the ball from going in that, and you got two guys who can uh, threaten on the other end. Um, you start putting together a pretty good recipe for um, winning goals because you can score and then you don't concede. Um, so last, um, and then let's not forget to re- mention O'Reilly Wood. Um, Riley Wood um, sort of single-handedly changes the momentum in that game by by scoring. The so-called uh, what's, a, what's the, the equalizer banger. The banger. Oh, the banger the banger yeah sorry <laughs> um, hits it from you know thirty yards out and we were we were on the other end of the field so it was it was far enough out or as it left his foot you could be like, you were sort of like ooh that's got some that's got some pace on it and then you just saw it sort of for me anyway I would have liked to I'll just give him a little credit I think it sort of swerved a little right away from the goalkeeper and. Um, and hit the back of the net pretty high up. So, and Riley just recently uh, committed to go to Luther College in the fall. So that's uh, another big pickup for a squad um, next fall. Which is interesting because then you've got so you have Overberg from Centennial and uh, Riley in the same team. Then right, we've got two Luther guys. Yep, so that'd be kind of cool. So they'll go from sort of enemies last night to probably best buds next. Next fall. Which would make sense why the Luther, one of the Luther um, staff was there. In uh, indeed. As well. um, indeed. Always catching the eye. They can't get past us. Nope. <laughs> Putting the pieces together. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you mentioned, um, talking about Charlie Pritchard, he's, he's going to Central College in the fall and then Colby Ranieri to UC Colorado Springs. Um, so, again, you know, uh, some strong uh, Division three programs. Uh, they're getting some strong players. They're going to be ready to contribute right away, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, think about that then. You're going to have Nick Ashton of Centennial running in Central Midfield. He's going to Central. Yeah, with Char- and so him and Charlie Pritchard, that'll be a fun little match. Pritchard will be up front, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'd like, I mean, I think Ankeny Hawks would take Nick Ashton in their side any time, any, any day of the week, right? Yeah, well, and it's um, interesting overall, these six guys that we've mentioned all play in that Ankeny Rush U19 squad um, that won State Cup in the fall. So, um, you know, the relationships run deep up there, it sounds like. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you guys... So it sounds like they do have strong relationships, and they're probably friends. But it sounds like they're they're pretty uh, pretty good competitors as well. I don't know if you guys plan on talking about this, but I think you had a pretty good interview well, with a couple of the guys after the game. Yeah, right? and, and let's just mention this quick because because uh, Blake and I have played together for a long time, but also played against each other, and so we know this relationship. Um, and I, as we kind of alluded to earlier, I I trained with this Iowa Rush U nineteen team last fall a few times, and they were they got after it in training with each other. And I think this rivalry has a lot to do with it. Right, Blake? I would, I would think so, yeah. Not, uh, not getting the invite to be on trial. Uh, <laughs> so I can't speak like you can, Ben. But uh, no, absolutely. And, you know, so kind of what Matt was alluding to is, 
you know, we get we get mic'd up, we go and um, we talk to Charlie and Colby, and you know, we notice there's an axe or there's a pickaxe or in, in lieu of a trophy, you know, yeah. like some some of these teams have a like a crosstown trophy. This was their deal, so yeah. So they we you know get into asking them about, hey, what's up with the axe? It looks like somebody's gonna smash the axe in Centennial's brand new turf field. They kind of held back a little bit there, um, and unfortunately we had some technical difficulties because it was arguably our the best material the most candid we've had any of our players or coaches it is i would you agree it definitely wasn't i would say we we may ultimately have done the hawks a favor so that centennial doesn't have some some great fodder to put up on uh you know up in the in the locker room beforehand because um you know i think we heard this with the girls that the uh the centennial girls have uh, not lost to the Hawkettes in five years, I think, or in five times, the last five times they've played. And on the flip side, um, the Ankeny Hawks on the boys' side uh, have not, uh, have continually beaten Centennial the past four meetings. So they are, they take a lot of pride in that. And uh, they were definitely letting us know that, weren't they? They were. They, and they, like I said, super candid. It was a great interview. And, uh, like you said, maybe maybe old Jordan Burns is is maybe a little happy that we didn't catch. Yeah, uh, we weren't able to record all of the, all all these statements and. Uh, yeah, so I think in one hand we'll apologize to Charlie and Colby, and in another hand, uh, you know, you just welcome. Do, yeah, exactly. You're <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Can, we'll, uh, but yeah, I think uh, that was that really captured the uh, kind of the sentiment of the of the evening. Definitely, you know, and I I also want to mention. I think you got to give both the, the coaches or the managers of both these teams a lot of credit. Um, Brian Duex on the Centennial side and then Jordan Burns on the, um, on the Hawks side. Um, these guys are clearly doing a great job with their programs. Um, it was a great game last night. You know, a lot of people watch the game now and they want to go, you know, I want to see good soccer and stuff like that. We so, saw some good soccer. It was good soccer. It was good soccer. It was good soccer all around. I mean, you've got all, I think, in all facets of the game. The technique was good for the players. Um, the decision-making was good from the players. You had two contrasting styles of play. Physically, um, I mean, guys are flying up and down the field, getting into tackles. And then psychologically, you could sense the emotion and what it meant to players. So from all four facets of the game, it was a really, really good game. And I think I think the managers always set the tone for how their, their teams perform and, and what that looks like. And so I think you've got to give them a lot of credit. But, you know, you've got a guy in Duax who's got a ton of experience um, growing up in this state. Um, playing, you know, basically walking um, the same path that all these boys are now walking in Iowa, um, and then a ton of experience on the club level and, and as a coach as well. And he's doing a great job over there at Centennial. Um, and you know, I, I would just know who Brian is. We know he doesn't take any slack from his players. We know that um, that those guys, he will demand those guys respect. And you can tell that he's got a control of his locker room the way those boys are performing for him. Um, and then on the flip side of the ball, I mean. Uh, um, Burns has done just a great job at Ankeny too. Um, I do. I want to give a little shout out to Marcus Varnum. Uh, Marcus Varnum's one of uh, Burns's assistants. When I went up there and uh, talked to those guys a couple of weeks ago, I, I recognized that Marcus was was there too. Marcus is another um, a player that grew up in Ankeny playing. Um, he's now an assistant over there um, at the Hawks, and I've got no doubt that um, he's added um, quite a bit to the locker room as well in terms of experience and then just his demeanor. He's um, he's a great guy as well. So I think they've got a good good management team over there for the Hawks as well. And I just want to recognize that uh, to the guys because you can you can go watch a game. You can, you can kind of sense when 
things aren't right in the locker room. And that's not the sense we got last night. It just looks like everything's very positive on both sides of the ball. Yeah, uh, and again, just to touch on the intensity of the game and some of this, you know, again, the way that those coaches set the tone, uh, you know, I expect uh, to see both these teams at the state tournament, you know, getting through their sub-state um, and having those experiences of that intensity in a game like that, um, I think that goes a long way when you're, you know, the state tournament is three games in three days that are all mean a ton. Um, and if you don't know what it's like to play in a game that's meaningful, um, it can be a real challenge. Absolutely. So, Matt, I think uh, unless you got anything, should we should we let our let our guests go, Ben? Yeah, thanks, Let's President. Wrap up. Yeah, you've been excellent. No problem, guys. Uh, see you next time. Oh, what another great interview with El Presidente. We love having El Presidente on. Um, he's always got a lot uh, of good insight, and I think as we time has worn on. He's just, he's so exact with his notes. He takes great notes of the game. He pays such good attention. And so we all have, we have lots of good, uh, lots of good info coming from him. It does, you know, we didn't, uh, I hope our audience wasn't getting used to the old play-by-play play play of him. Yeah, Actually, we, we, we little, went away from much, that. Yeah, he went, he went a little bit away, which well, interesting to see what our numbers look like. Um, listening audience wise but yeah, you know uh, we're, that was great insight there we're not we're not so into statistics you know it's all for the kids but uh you know we like to track things here don't we we do we love it ben you know so um uh, yeah, like you said ben it was pretty great you know that both uh all four programs you know i think kind of do have a bright future for the next at least month or so six weeks or so ahead of <laughs> yeah. all, you know? well it's interesting that both uh both girls and boys sides up there both schools are you know, effectively top 10 teams, if not top five teams, um, and are each other's biggest rivals. So um, maybe with that, we should just, uh, you know, remind everybody that we're going to have uh, another good interview coming up uh, next week with another uh, Iowa soccer legend. Um, and in the meantime, subscribe to our podcast, rate us. I mean, five-star ratings, probably the only thing that makes sense, right? It does. I think we would rather have a no rating than a one-star rating. Absolutely. No rating? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's otherwise, what I would have, Ben. We're, we're looking for five-star ratings, guys. So, you know, if you've, uh, if you've got any questions or concerns uh, that we could help uh, relieve, you slide into our DMs and let us know what we can do. And uh, we want that five-star rating. Um, I think from here, we should just thank our sponsors one more time, Blake. Yeah, absolutely. Billy Scott, Iowa soccer legend, which, you know, we keep talking to him about that. We probably at some point should get him on that series. Maybe that's who the next one is. We'll, we'll have to see, Ben. So, yeah, Billy Scott over at Scott Insurance Services. Um, great insurance guy. And then Michael Keener, attorney at law. And like you said, Ben, a great, another great guy, great supporter. Been around for a long time. Uh, been around uh, as a supporter for a long time of Kick It Forward. Yeah, those are uh, two guys that we really appreciate a lot. And, uh... You know, without them, it wouldn't be possible. Uh, also, wouldn't be possible without Kick It Forward. Um, you know, keep an eye on our social media and uh, follow our futsal court mini pitch project that we've got going on in conjunction with U.S. Soccer Foundation and the City of Des Moines Parks and Rec. Um, we're going to be putting up our new donation page here probably within the next 24 hours. So, um, you know, if you haven't donated yet, we'd love your support. Uh, it's a cool little project. Um, what do you think, Blake? I echo those statements, Ben. All right, we'll see everybody next time.